big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are talking about the basics and the fundamentals of aware parenting. So this episode is for you if you really want to get a quick snapshot of the whole of aware parenting, or perhaps if you have a family member or a friend and they might be saying, what are you doing? Or you want to pass on the information to them in a way that's easy for them to listen to. This is the episode for you. Yes. And perhaps we should share both Marion and I have been working with aware parenting for many, many, many years now. For me, maybe close to 15 years. How long for you, Marion? Practicing it for 20 and I've been an instructor since 2005. So yeah, we've been we've been time. doing this for a long time. We've been we talking have. about this for a long time. We've been supporting yes. parents for a long time. So we're really yes. talking about this from an embodied experience, not only as parents, but as, yeah. uh, as uh, educators. parenting educators mm. and supporters of mm. families. Yes, yes. So, of course, we have our fabulous catalogue of topics in our podcast where we, if you want to know more, you can search any of the topics we've got because we cover a lot of stuff. But this, this I think, was one that was requested from many of our listeners because they wanted to be able to share with people or friends or family around the principles and, and how aware parenting works and what that might look like and and them not having to listen to a hundred other episodes of our podcast. So so we welcome, we're going to do the quick, beautiful little snapshot to give you a taste of what it is and, and how it can look and how amazing it can be using aware parenting in your family and, and within your life. So she'll, let's start at the beginning about where aware parenting came from, Marion. Would you like to talk about that? I would love to. So it was created by Aletha Salter, PhD, who is a Swiss American and she's a developmental psychologist. So she studied with Jean Piaget, for example, who anybody who's done developmental psychology might know him, the Swiss psychologist. And she got a PhD in psychology from the University of California in 1975 and taught psychology after that. And then when she had her own children, she really wanted to find a way of parenting that advocated attachment style parenting that we're going to talk about, as well as non-punitive discipline we're going to talk about, whilst taking into account the effect of stress and trauma on children. And there were no books like that around that combined those three principles that we're going to talk about. So she wrote The Aware Baby, which she wrote that in 1984. She revised it in 2001. And that was really the foundation of this work. And she went on to write several more books, which we highly recommend. We did do an episode on her books recently, if you want to listen to that. And she then created the Aware Parenting Institute. And so there are Aware Parenting instructors all over the world who offer consultations and teach workshops and share this really unique style of parenting. Yes, that's a beautiful intro into Aletha. And I often say when people ask me about where does where parenting come from and I talk about Aletha Salter, I was like, she was so ahead of her time in what we're only really understanding now from a science or study point of view around trauma, around attachment, around expression of feelings, so many things that their science is kind of catching up to now. She was well aware of a long, long time ago. So, yeah, full, you know, 
props to Aletha Salter for, for being brave and courageous and creating this amazing body of work, which many people have now, you know, taken out into the world. And as you said, there's instructors all over the world sharing this knowledge. So let's perhaps start with, I guess, those three beautiful core principles of where parenting and what they are. And then we're going to talk about how they might look in practice, what you might be observing with your friends or family and, and what that is and the practicals of it as well. So should we start with that beautiful um, attachment? Yeah, so attachment style parenting. So really, again, this is information that's been around really since the 1950s. It's come back in again. We, in this culture, we've really, we really moved away from keeping babies close and really understanding that babies and children really have a core need for closeness. They have attachment needs. And really since the 1950s, the work of John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, they really brought in research that showed that rather than trying to get babies and children to be independent really quickly and early, actually, the more we support them and their attachment needs, the more they actually gain this beautiful self-confidence. And they actually then, when they go out into the world, they actually have this beautiful embodied confidence. So it's really different, again, from what many people still believe. It's really based on the more we understand their needs and we respond in an attuned way, that actually that gives them a beautiful sense of grounded safety in their bodies that really helps them go out into the world. So again, it's quite different from probably what many of us were brought up with this idea of, you know, pushing them out of the nest kind of thing and get them to be independent. And actually there's loads and loads of research that shows that trying to promote early independence often actually backfires and doesn't mm. create what we really want it to create in our children. Yeah. And how that can actually look of that beautiful attachment parenting can be things like, you know, for some people it's about having a natural or intervention-free birth. It's things like breastfeeding or extended breastfeeding, co-sleeping. So, you know, being close with your baby when you sleep, it's baby wearing, wearing your baby on your body. It can be things like um, elimination communication. So EC, if people know what that is, and really about being attuned to your baby and your, and your child and that beautiful attunement that allows you to connect in or tune into where they're feeling what's going on and I think that is a beautiful thing too if as a parent if we can be attuned to our children and as we get to know them and as we yeah as we feel into them we get a better understanding of what their needs might be so whether they do have whether they are hungry or whether it has been too much things that have happened throughout the day or whether they do just need some touch and connection or whether they've got some feelings that they need to release that beautiful attachment allows us to be attuned to our our little ones so that we can intuit on some level what their needs are and you know stay stay in that beautiful dialogue energetically with them around what their needs are and what what's going on which for a child of course is the highest amount of safety possible, isn't it? For them knowing that there is an adult who is deeply attuned to them, who is who is watching, who is feeling where they're at, that brings such a sense of safety from a survival point of view of there is an adult here who sees and accepts me and is is attuned to all my needs. And I would love to hear us, love to add here as well, lots of compassion to you. So perhaps if you have an older child and you didn't do these kinds of things, the wonderful thing about aware parenting is it's never too late to not only help them heal from any feelings they might have in response to that, which we're going to talk about later, but also that we can still support them to really get those attachment needs met. So that might be, you know, lots of cuddles on the couch while you're watching movies together, or you might have an older child who is waking up every night and wanting to come back into the bed with you and, and to really see whether you are willing to do that. So again, 
this is about having deep compassion for ourselves. And I think the other thing really important to hold in mind is that the culture that we live in doesn't make attachment style parenting easy, that we're really designed to live in big cultures with many, many different family members of all different ages and stages. So that, for example, carrying a baby, would there would be many, many family members to support the carrying of a baby. And all of the closeness and so on would be met by many family members and not just one or two parents and so it's also really normal and natural if at times you feel overwhelmed by trying to meet your baby or child's attachment needs and that at times that also might mean doing things a little bit differently and really because aware parenting is based on meeting the needs of children and parents this is also about really listening into yourself and sometimes you may really wanting to meet their needs for closeness but you really don't want to co-sleep so that might be holding in mind though can you have them close by so that they can see you or they can touch you so it's really finding again holding these principles in mind but also applying them differently to each family because we're each unique and so yeah not not doing things because we think we should and then feeling even more stressed and stretched but really being compassionate with each of us and the family situation that we're in. Mm, that's beautiful. I'm glad that you added that in, Marion, because compassion is something we talk about all of the time, and it is such a such an important part of if we're wanting to raise kids this way of being kind to ourselves, so that we can we can lead with that as opposed to judgment and all those kind of things. And I just wanted to flag too, you know, in our aware parenting journeys, and I've shared this many times in our podcast. I only came to aware parenting with my third child, so my son was nearly eight when she was born, and then I had a four and a half year old, and I hadn't used aware parenting in with my older two children. And I I do just want to add too, you know, when I learned about aware parenting and started using it. I really did and was shown the power of healing and time, even though I hadn't met those needs with my kids when they were little. There was so much that I did in those years following, whether it was just listening to their feelings or whether it was through play or just really trusting their journey where anything that we didn't get to meet, we healed in other ways. And, you know, we have, there's podcasts we have on here. I have an interview with my son who's 22 when he talks about his journey being raised this way and my daughter. And so, you know, that, that they can be beautiful things to listen to as well. Just knowing, you know, that it, it, no, nobody has is perfect. And it's, even if we don't do it right from the beginning, a lot of the principles of where parenting is so powerful to use at any point. And they're powerful to use in our relationships as well with our partners or family members, not just with our children. So, you know, they're beautiful life philosophies, I think as well. Mm, I would also love to add one other thing that really often this goes against cultural conditioning. So you may have been brought up with the ideas that, you know, you will sp- spoil a child if you meet their needs or you respond to their a baby crying or that if you co-sleep, your child will never, ever want to go in their own bed. So again, aware parenting really invites us to look at our conditioning. And one of the ways we can do that often is look at different cultures around the world and see how they do things like sleeping and eating and all those other kinds of things so that we can, you know, we can see, is this something that's actually some good conditioning that I receive that actually I would like to let go of. So where parenting can be really challenging because it really does help us question some of the core beliefs that this culture that most of us live in has. Mm, I love that you brought that point up because that is such a big point for a lot of people 
the belief systems they have of, but, you know, if you don't show children discipline, then, you know, how will they ever learn? Or, you know, just so many of those stories that we hear time and time again that are often those ingrained beliefs. And, yeah, I agree with you. It does challenge that and it does ask us to expand a bit and think about our own stories and also how that felt for us growing up if perhaps we were on the other end of those punitive practices or that authoritarian parenting, how it did feel for us. And and I think this just looks at it from a whole other lens, which is beautiful. All right, should we move to the second the second principle of aware parenting? Yes, very apt since you were talking about punitive. So this is non-punitive discipline. So that basically means punitive punishment. So this is not using punishments, but it also means not using rewards either. And that can be a really surprising thing for people like that. That you know, Rewards often bring things that aren't very helpful. And Alfie Cohn's done some amazing things with this. He's got a book, Punished by Rewards. So if you want to really dive into why rewards uh, are actually not helpful, I invite you to go and have a look there. and But you might say, but if I'm not using punishments and rewards, how do I ch- help change my child's behavior if they're hitting their sibling or they're pulling all the books off the shelf or they're awake at 11 p.m. or they won't get off the screen or the, the myriad of things that children do that we do not enjoy and we would like to support them to do something different. What can we do instead? And that is the... The $65 million question, isn't it? And the answer to that question, Marion, <laughs> is connection. <laughs> so we might talk a little bit in a minute about what the answer is to that because we both know whenever we, you know, pose that non-punitive, people are like, what do you mean? What else is there? That's the only currency I've got. But it's that is a big stretch for a lot of people. I, I really do think that that as a theory of not punishing children for doing what we deem to be something wrong or rewarding them you know what how else do they learn and so there is so much beautiful evidence out there of other ways to do it and I do see that it's that's becoming a lot more well known in many areas in parenting these days which is good to see so yeah non-punitive discipline is a big one and uh, I think as we as we go through these principles we'll then talk about how that might look in practice so then let's move on to the third one which is probably the one we we talk about a lot which is which is so impactful in changing, I think, how we view children is the third principle. Do you want to share about that? Well, I think this one fits so, I mean, of course, they all fit together. But if we're looking at what really does cause a child's behavior, and that's the thing that often is really, um, I don't like the word mind-blowing, but I'm going to use it here for people to actually really understand why children do the things that they do that we don't enjoy. So when we core to this is really understanding that stress and trauma are the cause of many of the things that we find challenging in children. That includes hitting and biting and throwing things and not sleeping and doing all the things that we find challenging and really understanding when we say stress and trauma, that all children, however much we do that whole attachment style parenting thing and non-punitive discipline, experience stress every day. Most experience some mini traumas most days and most if not all children will at times experience trauma this is not this is not an unusual thing and sometimes those words can seem kind of a bit big and scary but basically you know just just you know for a baby like loud noises can be stressful for a, a small child you know another child taking a toy from them is a, is a stress or a mini trauma you know children are very yeah, have lots of big feelings and so one of the principles of this is really to understand how they experience stress and trauma to do whatever we can to minimize that as much as we possibly can 
and to understand that children come into the world with these natural inbuilt healing processes to heal from stress and trauma. And then when we understand those, we can really cooperate with those. And really that is the thing that often gets talked about most about in aware parenting, because those ways are through crying and raging, including tantrums with our loving support, as well as attachment play, which are particular forms of play that we can support our children with. And it's really that they come into the world with these, but again, because of our cultural conditioning, so often we're fighting against those, you know, again, our culture often sees tantrums as misbehavior or a child who's crying a lot as, you know, there must be some unmet need that we, you know, or we need to give them more limits or we need to give them more cookies or something to stop the crying. So aware parenting really is about understanding that children have a lot of feelings and that's beautiful and normal and natural. And we did a, an episode on big feelings, which we really recommend if, if you want to dive in more to that. And I'd love to add, you know, if you're listening to this for the first time and you're kind of going, okay, I'm sort of understanding this concept. I love to put it in into perspective from the from an adult's point of view. So let's just, you know, to, to give someone an idea, let's just imagine you've had a really, really stressful day at work. You know, you got cut off in traffic. Someone took your car spot. You know, you had to have a really uncomfortable meeting with your boss. You know, one of your co-workers took your lunch. You had all these little micro stresses, you know, that that went on throughout the day and they would have built in your body. And, and perhaps by the time you get home and you've asked your partner to do something and they forgot or perhaps your child acted in a certain way and all those stresses build up in your body and the next minute you're yelling at them or you're losing it around something. And, you know, as adults, Adults, we can often do that. And we are adults who, you know, a fully prefrontal cortex is fully developed. We have, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of living on the planet. We hopefully understand our emotions a bit more. And somehow we make that acceptable that we can blow off our steam or yell, you know, if, if something feels really stressful for us. And yet children do exactly the same, but we often make that wrong in children. And I think it's really important to remember that we all have stresses and we all have these tensions that can build in our bodies at certain points. And sometimes they accumulate and then it tips over the edge. And we can see that with children when they've had a big day at kindergarten or they come home from school and then they're upset because you cut their sandwich the wrong way. And, you know, when we see those big reactions, what we want to be understanding is there's there's a cause, there's something going on underneath that behavior happening. And we as adults often do the same thing as well. And, you know, in my work, I often see that we often expect children to have far greater emotional intelligence than what we do as adults. And I think when we can begin to understand this concept that we all have stresses and, and traumas and hurts that we carry, and the job or the idea is to find healthy ways to express them, is to find healthy ways to release them through crying or through expressing ourselves, or as adults, we might find ways to move that through our bodies or through laughter, all, all different ways. And our beautiful children are still learning how to do this. And part of what I love about aware parenting is when we see a child having some big feelings, uh, we, we don't want to make them wrong for that. We want to lean in and say, I'm here and I'm going to make it safe for you to express whatever you need to express. As Because what happens is when a child is able to do that, they have those big feelings, they let them go, they come back into balance. And then we often see that they're calm, they are connected, they're often more cooperative, they're usually chatty. We can see that all those stresses and traumas have left their body because as Marion said, it's our natural inbuilt healing mechanism that we're all born with to be able to do that. 
and then we can kind of move on. And so I think as it's really beautiful to understand that for so many years we've made tantrums and big feelings wrong. We even label emotions as negative emotions. We even talk about anger as a negative emotion or sadness. And there is no negative emotion. We all just we all just have feelings. You know, anger and sadness and frustration is as important as joy and happiness and wonder all the kind of things you know all feelings are welcome but i think for we've grown up in a culture that just says these ones are acceptable and these ones aren't and if a child is expressing those feelings then we need to stop them or we need to shut them down and aware parenting really says way well, hey, let's trust what the child is bringing to us and how can we create a beautiful container for them to feel safe enough to let those feelings out so they can find their way back into their center Mm, I love how you describe that, Lel. I think the other thing can be really helpful to understand in relation to feelings is that there are three things that we can do. I, I like to put this into shorthand and then extend that a little bit so we can talk about expression, which is a healthy expression, which is exactly what Lel's just been talking about, how those feelings get to come out and be expressed in healthy ways so that a child then feels relaxed and relieved in their body. And when they feel relaxed and relieved and connected again, they they will naturally not want to hit another child or pull the dog's tail or the, and they will be feeling calm and relaxed enough in their body to sleep, to go to sleep and stay asleep. So that's expression. But there's also aggression or suppression. So when those feelings don't get to come out, and they often don't because in our culture we haven't welcomed them, our feelings weren't welcome, we may not understand that our child has feelings. So they will need to often suppress those feelings and there are many ways that they can do that so we can also call that dissociation or mild dissociation which basically means they are not feeling the feelings in their body and many of the things that children do are forms of suppression or dissociation so things like thumb sucking or dummies or pacifiers or repetitive nose picking or eating when they're not hungry or screen multiple screen use or just many many things wow. and we all do these things too they're called control patterns in aware parenting so basically when feelings aren't getting to be expressed then they get suppressed or there's dissociation often happening and those feelings accumulate and accumulate in the body and that's when we start to see all these things that we often don't enjoy as parents that's when we see the hitting or the biting or the throwing or the not going to sleep or just all the stuff that we can feel quite annoyed in response to on the other hand, children can go into aggression, and that's also called hyperarousal. And that's basically where they start getting really frantic or they get all agitated and antsy or they do move into hitting. And basically that is not expression. So that's not healthy expression. So we're not saying here, great, if your child's hitting another child, they're just, that's healthy expression. No, that is not. That is when their feelings are not getting to come out in healthy ways. So I think sometimes when people are new to aware parenting or perhaps a family members doing aware parenting, they might think, oh, does this mean you just say yes all the time to your child? In aware parenting, that is absolutely not the case. When children are doing things like hitting or biting or throwing forms of aggression or hyperarousal or just agitated and antsy or pulling all the books off the bookshelf, we offer what are called loving limits. So these are very different to harsh limits or punitive limits. This is why it's non-punitive. We move in and what I love to say is we say no to the behavior and yes to the feelings underlying the behavior. So basically what we, we do is we move in and stop that behavior. So perhaps if they're 
pulling all the books off the bookshelf, we might put a hand on their hand, do the minimum possible to stop that behavior and, and to say something like, I'm not willing for you to pull the books off the bookshelf, sweetheart. And I'm right here and I'm listening. And really that is what differentiates it from many other forms of parenting. Because again, as Lau, you, you often say, we look behind the behavior. So when we really understand the cause of a child's behavior, we can move and, and reach in and respond to that level of cause. That's why we don't need to move in with punishments because we can actually say, I understand why my child's doing this. I can offer them a loving limit. I don't need to move in with harshness. I don't need to move in with just letting them do all the things. It's not permissive parenting. Loving limits are very different from harsh limits or no limits. So it's really important to emphasize that, I think. I love that you bring that up. I often say to parents that I think we often have a belief system that when we say no to a child, like when we set a limit and say, no, I'm not going to let you hit your sister or no, you can't have another biscuit. I think that we in our minds expect that our child will go, okay, yep, no problem, good limit, yep, fine. <laughs> They'll just go, yep, no worries, and walk away. But they don't, do they? They often push back or they want to keep doing it. And and I think and that's where adults can sometimes get really upset and angry. They're not listening to me and I've said no and all those kind of things. And this is where I think we're parenting so beautiful because I love your phrase, Marion, we say no to a behavior but yes to the feelings because we have that understanding that there is a root cause as to why they're behaving the way they are. And sometimes what children look for is they look for that thing to push up against. They're looking for that limit to push up against. So there is a strong no, and there is an adult there who can hold that no lovingly. And then the feelings that are accumulating are able to come out because we've set that limit. And I love that, you know, you're differentiating between that because I think in a lot of other parenting, it's, I said no, and that's it. And if you don't listen to my no, then I have to up the ante. I have to yell louder. I have to put you in your room. I'm going to take something away from you if you don't do what I'm saying. Whereas when we can have that understanding that children often acting out because they're out of balance there's something going on for them and sometimes what they will do is they will look for that limit to push up against so they can move all those big feelings to find their way back to their center because it feels better for a child to be you know in balance and in their center no child feels good hitting another child or pulling all the bookshelves books off the bookshelf or or being mean with harsh words to someone else they don't feel good doing it they're doing it usually because there is something going on inside of them that they're trying to shift and move. And I think with aware parenting, you know, we are wanting to constantly be curious. What is going on for my child here? What are they trying to tell me with what they're doing? And those beautiful principles that we talk about, you know, when a child is acting out, the first thing we want to do as an adult is take a deep breath and be curious. I wonder what's going on here. Is there a need for something to be met? Like, are they hungry? Do they need a cuddle? Have we not seen each other all day? You know, do they need a little bit of connection time and once we do meet that need then usually they're fine or do they need some information understanding about what's going on in this situation and we give them that information and and then they then they kind of again feel better or in balance or what maybe sometimes is needed is a limit a loving limit where they can push up against to move those feelings so they find their way back into balance and i think it's really so vital that we're parenting that we always come from a place of curiosity. And I love that you often say, Marion, all the time to be mindful about what we're thinking whenever a child is acting out is to be very, very curious about our thoughts. Because if we're standing there as a parent thinking, 
why are they doing this? What's wrong with them? Or why are they why are they misbehaving? Or why are they making my life so hard? It's very hard for us as an adult to have compassion and empathy and be in that curiosity when we've got a bit of a story going on as to why our child is wrong or or making our lives really, really tricky. And so part of this is also being really aware of what we're telling ourselves and also very aware of what our thoughts and our stories are and how we turn up as that parent. Because as we know, and we haven't quite dived into this yet, but aware parenting can bring up so much of our own hurts and wounds from our own childhood. And that is often how we can respond and react to our children because it taps into a lot of our own painful feelings as well. So another big important part of it is to be really mindful about what we're telling ourselves and that curiosity. Can we be in curiosity around our child? Can we be super curious as, oh, I wonder what's going on here because you know they're, they're being a little bit mean to their sister or something's looking a bit off. If I am curious and I come in with some connection, Can I be there to be that beautiful support and guidance for them to find their way back into balance, to release or to move whatever's sitting there for them? Mm, So wonderful. And those three things that you talked about. So if we were to go back to non-punitive discipline, it's really helpful to have that list of three things to go through. So do they need information? Do they have an unmet need or do they have feelings to express? So what I love about aware parenting, as you said, because we are becoming very aware of what we're telling ourselves that the more we replace our old cultural conditioning which is about you know beliefs in a a child's innate wrongness they need punishments and rewards to be you know well behaved all of those things when we replace that with understanding that children actually want to be loving they want to be connected that's their natural state to be present and actually when they're not behaving in in those ways that it's one of those three reasons that are causing that so the more we start replacing our own inner dialogue which is the you know we offer a loving limit and they keep pulling the bookshelves off the off the pulling the books off the bookshelves why is that so hard to say that rather than going into then exactly as you said they're not listening to me why do they keep doing it they're always doing this or or I'm a terrible parent why does my child never listen to me I don't know what I'm doing whatever that is to come in and to remember that cognitive piece oh yes they're doing this because actually they need me to keep offering that loving limit and to keep staying calm and relaxed in my body and to keep saying I'm really not willing for you to pull those books off the bookshelf sweetheart and I'm right here and I'm listening so that they can have the big cry and the rage and they need to know that we're going to stay there and we're going to stay loving that we're not going to go into being punitive and harsh and having this understanding i think that's why we talk so much about the the theoretical parts is that we can really then understand what what kinds of things will be helpful to tell ourselves rather than the the old-fashioned things that we're telling ourselves so in any moment we can remember ah this is why they're doing that they're not enjoying it as he said they're not enjoying it they don't want to be doing these things any more than we do like the child that is waking up 10 times a night, the toddler, they do not want to be doing that. The child is taking three hours to go to sleep. They are not fighting sleep. They are not enjoying that just as much as you are not. So we have all these kind of old fashioned beliefs that children do these things deliberately, or they're trying to wind us up, or if they're laughing, you know, we haven't talked much about laughter, but laughter is a form of release. And so we maybe we say something, they laugh, we might say, you know, why are they laughing at me? They're not taking me seriously. When we really understand children in the way that aware parenting does, when we really understand this piece about the importance of you know, the causal factor of their feelings and how it really affects their behavior. And we know, and more importantly, we know what to do, which can help us then have a sense of power that, yes, my child is doing this thing. 
and I actually know what's going to be the helpful thing for them here. That gives us so much of power as parents so that we are less likely to go into feeling powerless. We're less likely to, to go into our own default, which might be being punitive or kind of giving up and feeling powerless. I mean, it's so powerful. The theory itself is so powerful. So I think that's why it's so important to keep going back. So if this does resonate with you, to actually really understand the theory, it's because I so often hear from parents that, maybe they're newer to aware parenting and one day they're reading stuff about aware parenting and perhaps sleep. And then another day they're reading other information that's talking about sleep windows and, and all the things that we don't have in aware parenting because we're seeing things entirely differently. So if aware parenting does resonate with you, I really invite you to, we invite you to really immerse yourself in it. So that you actually really understand the theory because when you understand it, then you're going to be able to put it into practice much more easily. Mm-hmm. I love, I love all of that. I also wanted to add too, I think one of the things that I see a lot in the parents I work with is one of the biggest fears that often turns up is, you know, well, if I'm not disciplining my child and I'm not, you know, I'm not punishing them, then are they going to grow up to just be out of control and have big feelings all the time and be disrespectful? And it's actually the opposite. You know, there's a great saying, the lack of expression actually creates aggression. So when we're not giving our children the opportunity to express those feelings, those feelings just can stay stuck in the body and they come out or they kind of spill out in ways when a child feels overwhelmed or they feel powerless or they feel it all gets too much. That's when we see often behavior comes out in big, big ways. So, you know, both Mary and I, we have adult children now and we've never used punishments and we've never had to discipline our children because, and it's not that our children haven't done stuff. (laughs) Like my kids have definitely pushed edges and done all sorts of stuff, but the response is not to come in hard and punish them on top of it because there's hurt or there's something that's causing the behavior in the first place. So if we just come in with, you know, harsh words and power over, then what we're doing is we're just actually adding more to that backpack of feelings that are sitting there. And then there's going to be more for them to have to unpack and unfold. And I find with my children over all the years, you know, with when they have acted out in ways and we've held those limits and they've had a big release, then their natural state is to want to go and repair with whoever they, maybe they hit their sister or brother or or they've done something. They'll want to go and find a natural way to apologize and repair. They're often very aware of why they've done what they've needed to. They've learned and developed language around it so that as they've gotten older, they're able to walk into a room and say to me, mom, I'm so angry. Can you help me with my anger? And I'll be like, yes, come on, let's do it. Or they're able to express how they're feeling very, very freely because they're in touch with their feelings and emotions. And what they know is their feelings and emotions are not wrong and that all of that is welcome. And I think for me, one of the most defining parts of aware parenting is that when we hold space for our children's feelings, the message we are sending them is that I love and accept all of you. Whereas when we punish children for being upset or angry, when we send them away to their room, when we make them be quiet, we are sending a message that says only the good parts of you are acceptable here. You know, the parts that are angry and sad and frustrated and upset, 
uh, not okay, only these other parts. And that often then sets up an imprint in a child that we carry through into adulthood that says, well, I'm only lovable when I'm good. And there's many adults that both of us have worked with that have that strong, strong story that says, I'm only lovable when I'm good, when people approve of me, when I can make sure that what I'm doing is going to be perfect, when, you know, there's guarantees it's going to be all okay. And that's not what life is, but that's often how a lot of adults move through life because of the imprints and conditioning that we've had that big feelings are not okay and that they're not acceptable. Whereas we want to change that narrative for our beautiful children to say, hey, feelings are just feelings. And we're here to help you express them in a healthy, safe way so that you can stay attuned to yourself. So you are connected to who you are and that you then develop the skills and the understanding and the awareness as you grow into adulthood to know how to navigate and work with your own feelings and not need to suppress them, not need to drink a bottle of wine at night to feel okay, not need to work so much that you don't have any downtime, not need to numb out on your screen all the time, but you're able to tune into yourself and welcome what is whatever is there. Mm, and the other thing, really, I think when you're talking about people saying, well, what would happen if I don't punish my child or distract them from their feelings? And I think really the the thing about aware parenting is that often it can be really hard to believe like really you mean if I if I don't punish my child or if I listen to my child's feelings and they have a massive big cry that they're actually going to come out the other side and they're going to be calm and relaxed and then they're going to be able to sleep and they're going to be gentle and all the all the things that we love they're going to be present they're going to be able to sit still they're going to make eye contact they're going to have relaxed muscles I think uh, I was having a conversation with this yesterday with this with my the father of my children yesterday as we were really saying it's, it's often not until you actually experience that as a parent and or maybe grandparent or relative or you know friend and you actually see a child or even a baby go through that experience and come out the other side and you literally see how different they are in their bodies that before they're all agitated and antsy and then afterwards they have beautiful relaxed muscles and before they're avoiding eye contact and afterwards they're just gazing into your eyes in this relaxed beautiful state and they were before they couldn't really sit still and now they just cu kind of cuddle up and they're, they're happy it's not a dissociated state they're actually happy and relaxed in their bodies and perhaps they were feeling frustrated beforehand and they're trying to do something they're not able to do it and they have a big cry or attention they come out the other side and they they can then go back and actually go back to that thing they were doing and they're able to do it I mean I think it's there's something about believing it when you see it because it's so powerful and if you have never seen that which most of us haven't until we have it, it's, it's 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 almost like magic so I think there's something about that too and the beautifulness of where parenting is that the proof is in the pudding and that you really do get to play with this and that the observing a baby or a child is a core part of aware parenting because unless we're really observing them really clearly we that you know that's how we discern is this a need is this a feeling do I do I move in to meet the need or actually do they need to express these feelings and release this stress and trauma so the wonderful thing is you can play with it yourself you can be your own experiment and you can get the evidence for yourself or if you don't maybe you either go back to the drawing board or you go actually no this isn't for me so that's the wonderful thing you don't need to have kind of big arguments about it but just you know if it resonates try it out see what happens mm. uh, make sure that you really understand it before you practice it and get support which is really important and and then get to see the difference yourself with your own eyes Mm. One of the things I know we both talk about often when we're 
teaching this to parents is to actually just take a moment and imagine that you're four and that, you know, something you've made a mistake or you got really upset about something, you know, what is it that you would have wanted from your parent in that moment? Would you have wanted them to yell at you? Would you have wanted them to send you to the to your room? Would you have wanted them to smack you? Like what is it that you wanted really when you were upset? And we both know the answer because everyone answers the same is that actually they wanted a really calm parent to get down low and look us in the eye and say, I'm here and I hear you and this is hard and I'm right with you. And for us to express those big feelings and know that there was a loving adult there saying, hey, I've got you, it's okay. And that when we express those big feelings, that adult is still calm and connected and loving us no matter what. You know, I think that is what most of us or all of us deeply wanted when we were younger and a lot of us didn't get that. And, you know, that is what aware parenting for me often when I'm talking to adults about it is to really reflect on what would you have wanted when you were little? How would you have wanted your parent to respond to you? And, you know, as we often share, you know, us as parents or our parents or our grandparents, everybody's always doing the best job they know how. We are all doing often what was modeled to us. And it can be a massive shift for parents to get their head around not punishing and not controlling, but being able to trust their child and to stay attuned and connected to them to help them be in their natural state. And it is a huge It is huge, you know, to shift, you know, many, 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 many generations of patterning and conditioning to a whole different way of thinking. And so that's why it does take time and that's why it can feel clunky sometimes. And it's why we also need community. We need others. We need to see exactly, as you said, what it looks like in practice. We need other parents to talk to about it because it is something that is not the norm in our culture these days. It's so vital, isn't it, to have community to to meet up with someone or to have an empathy buddy or to work with an aware parenting instructor and really to get that support and so much of it as well isn't it is really about our own reparenting journey that we go on because of course because well I imagine you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you were brought up in this way because you'll just be doing it and you can come and come and be on the podcast with us anyway I'm joking but you know what will often happen then when our child is doing something that where perhaps we would have been punished those feelings will show up for us you know all over the place our own feelings our own unexpressed feelings from all the times that we needed to cry we needed to rage we were trying to heal from stress or trauma will also bubble up which is why that whole reparenting journey is so vital and aware parenting itself doesn't include specific ways how for how to do reparenting but Lael and I both both work in those ways and you know you can really look at aware parenting and, and these beautiful three principles and also apply them to yourself so that that's what we often look at you know attachment style parenting with ourselves meeting our or being willing to get our own needs met we've done quite a few episodes on that non-punitive discipline well, actually changing our own inner dialogue is one of my particular passions. I talk about getting getting free from the guilt and shame, putting down the emotional sticks so that we actually have a, a compassionate inner dialogue and also supporting ourselves or getting support to heal from our own experiences of stress and trauma. And the wonderful thing is the more, and I find this so often with so many parents saying, no, you do two layers, because we then know how to do those three things with our child or our children, we also know how what that looks like and how to experience it ourselves. It's often an incredible impetus to really have that own inner reparenting. And 
And I know for me, I trained as a psychotherapist in the nineties and we, you know, learned a lot about, you know, child work but actually it wasn't until I learned about aware parenting and practice it myself I went oh okay now I know what my inner children really need it's, it's a whole different kettle of fish I don't know where that mm. saying came from <laughs> so beautiful and one other part I think we should talk about with aware parenting is attachment play and the power of laughter and play to also facilitate healing and connection and Letha also talks about the um is it nine different types of play? Yeah. <laughs> no. Nine different types of play. If you'd like to know, go and look at her book, Attachment Play. But, but play is a really important part of it as well. Coming back to the, the philosophy of that children process a lot through what happens in their day through play. So I often say if you want to know what's going on for a child, just watch them play. So they can use play to process what's happening in their world, you know, what games they want to play. We can use play to facilitate connection. So that can be things like power reversal games where, you know, many children, all children at some point feel powerless. So using power reversal games where children get to be faster or stronger or in control. And often if that's combined with lots of laughter can be amazing to help children release, release stress and trauma and, and also build connection. You know, lots of regression plays a beautiful way for them to help process when there's transitions or there's healing that needs to go on. Nonsense play, which is all often about laughter. There's many different types of play that we can do within aware parenting to help children move fears and phobias or process what's happened in their life. But more than anything, what we find or I find with play is it's the laughter that is also one of the most magnificent stress releases for children and also facilitates such beautiful connection between the parent and child. So that's another magnificent part that we see. And for a lot of parents, new parents that we work with, you know, one parent might feel comfortable with crying and listening to the feelings. The other parent may not, but they they love the play. They love doing attachment play. They love lots of laughter and power reversal games. And, and that is what they can do with aware parenting and that feels okay for them. And so we always invite parents to to come in and, and be with whatever feels okay for them as, as you begin this journey, because it is a big leap for a lot of people, you know, being raised in other authoritarian or permissive ways. So we really invite people to be super curious, as you said, Mary, and look for the evidence. What happens if you have 10 or 15 minutes of wrestling and rumbling on the bed with your child, you know, and they laugh and they're stronger than you? And how do we feel afterwards? Do, do we feel this, ah, in our bodies? Do we feel connected? Do you find that your child is more cooperative when you then go and ask them to brush their teeth? Like what, what are you observing and seeing? And I think using these tools is so powerful to to help our kids co help our kids to cooperate, but also to, you know, just facilitate more connection because we know that connection is is so pivotal in 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 the whole family unit. It's really one of the core things that we need to do. If we're not connected, how do we get connected? And play is one of those amazing ways that we can do it. And the other way that play, understanding play can be really helpful is playing before bed. So children will often get really playful before bed. And often in other paradigms, we're doing a lot of things to try to calm them down. Whereas in aware parenting, again, because we really deeply trust these inbuilt healing processes that they have, we understand often if they are being really playful, they're actually trying to release feelings. They're trying to actually, they are using these beautiful processes to feel calm. And so if we come in and we we stop those without listening to feelings, that often means that they'll, they might go to bed, but then they're all wriggly and antsy and they keep kicking off the covers or they're asking for another drink or another this, or they're getting out of bed. And to really understand they are not fighting sleep, they were, they were trying to play to actually express feelings, to release 
to heal from the day's events or the week's events or how, however long ago the feelings have been sitting there in their bodies. So again, when we understand, we can really observe a child through this aware parenting lens, we can see rather than actually preventing that beautiful healing process, we can move in and support it. So we can move in and join in with the play. We can follow the lead. And then also perhaps they're just playing for hours and they're clearly tired and they're not going to sleep. So we can then move in and offer a loving limit. So again, we're saying no to that continued play because we understand there are feelings sitting underneath there that are preventing them from being relaxed enough to sleep. So I think what what one of the main things it does is not only and I love what you're saying now about really helps them have a beautiful inner dialogue where they know that they are loved. They have that felt sense of being loved unconditionally, but also it helps us really see them through what I call the eyes of love, because we're actually seeing any of the judgments we have about them are not true. Like they are always, they, they want to be connected with us. They want to sleep when they're tired. They want to be gentle. They want to, all the things that we love about them, you know, when they're doing all those things, they love feeling those ways because when they are feeling calm and relaxed in their bodies, that's how they naturally behave. And if they're not feeling calm and relaxed, it's either because they have an unmet need usually, or they have some accumulated feelings or maybe some information that they need. So when we look at it through that lens more and more and more, we feel loving as well, which is, isn't that what we want? We want to feel mm. loving towards our lovely children. We don't want to be having these judgmental thoughts or feeling disconnected because of all that harshness mm. so it's, it's such beautiful you know really it's kind of corny isn't it but it really does bring about more love and more mm. connection and more fun and more ease mm. and just makes parenting enjoyable most of the time yes yes and I mean I would just add to that and we've talked about a lot this a lot in the podcast is that children know what they need to do to come back into balance you know they 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 know what they need to play to process stuff. They know when they need to be cry, which is why they might look for those limits. They know when they need connection. They know what they need. We often just miss the cues as adults. We are sometimes so busy or kind of not connected to ourselves or juggling all the balls that we kind of miss the cues that our children are giving us. And I think where parenting does ask you to slow down a bit or be, you know, to really focus on that attunement to just when that beautiful child walks in the room to kind of scan them and go, oh, where are they? Are they, where are they in? Are they out of balance? Is there something going on? What can, what am I seeing here? What are they showing me? And how do I need to, to turn up for them within those moments? So I think it is sometimes people can get caught up in the theory of what do I do? What is this or that? But I would say, watch your child. They'll show you what they need and follow their lead. And then, you know, we can use some of these principles and that's where it can, it, it can, it actually creates way more harmony. You know, before I did aware parenting, I would yell as a mom and, you know, I was often very resentful and frustrated. I never took care of myself. And then when I discovered aware parenting and I started listening to the feelings and started doing some of this work, I actually stopped yelling and there was no more yelling in the family because I would was always tuned to what's going on for them and and what am I needing, you know, what are they needing in this moment and how can I bring that to them? It made such a difference in my whole parenting journey from being a mum that yelled and was frustrated and to actually being calm and connected and really supporting my kids in who they they are in the world and without doubt it is the best thing I've ever done as a parent you know and I see that now in my beautiful adult children and who they are in the world and how they take that out into the world so you know we can't rave about it enough can we really <laughs> no it's such a there's such a holds a deep trust in children and babies and actually in human beings when yeah. we really understand 
really the causes of behavior and we understand mm. what we can do to support children to, mm. to be who they really are. It's so, mm. so wonderful, isn't it? Because it changes yeah. everything. So so many people often say, don't they, it's not just aware parenting mm. because it changes our relationship with ourselves and it changes our relationship with others because if we're yes. seeing people through that same lens, like, oh my gosh, rather than, you know, they're a terrible person, or they're bad or they're evil or whatever, like, oh my gosh, you know, They've clearly got a lot of unhealed stress and trauma mm. sitting in their bodies that's causing mm. that behavior. And again, that doesn't mean we need to put up with stuff or be treated harshly. You know, saying no in adult relationships is just as important. But having that compassionate understanding really changes our interactions with all humans. Mm. It does. So, it does. so beware, beware. Be <laughs> you start. If you do you get into it, it's going to change your whole life. <laughs> so if if this does give, I hope it. What it does do is it makes you go, oh, okay, I understand the theory a bit more now. If you want to know more, you can go and read Aletha's books. We or you can go and listen to our back catalogue of podcasts because we talk about everything from aggression to you know issues with food to big feelings to our own stories you know we've covered so many topics so you know we invite you to go back and have a listen to stuff that you might be struggling with or that you're curious about that might give you even more information and we have given you a snapshot today and there's definitely nuances with this and there's definitely deeper parts that we go into with aware parenting and as Marion mentioned there's lots of amazing aware parenting instructors all over the world and if you are wanting support you can reach out to them or read some more books or listen to our podcast or you know we both have courses online that you can do that that explore all these elements so there's a lot of amazing content and information out there for you to help you understand more so and and it was also the community which is so vital is that support from others who are also on this journey and also doing it that can be so beneficial to connecting with them so there's amazing information out there for people to explore you know if you're wanting to know more Yes. And we both have introductory courses that you can have a look at. So that might be the first thing that you, if you want to have a look at our websites, we, we both have those. So, so much, so much yumminess. And mm. we so often get little messages, don't we now from people saying, I'm just working my way through all of your episodes. <laughs> so, so again, the other thing is though, you might have listened to this and go, she doesn't no. really resonate with me. And so again, <laughs> yeah. we really support you in that. This yes. is so much about really listening to yourself. So if it doesn't resonate, we so support you in either going back to whatever else it is that does resonate with you or to keep looking to find something that does because yeah. it's so important to never do something because we're shooting ourselves, but actually do mm. it from that deep sense of resonance and yes in our bodies. Yeah. And I just want to kind of finish off by saying, you know, we we know that people often asked if we could do this so that their parents or grandparents might be listening or family members. And we, I also just want to hold, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, Marianne, you know, it can be a massive shift when we've been brought up a certain way and we've raised our children a certain way. It can feel really confronting to look at it from a different angle or to look through a different lens. And so, you know, we, we, again, we hold a lot of compassion and understanding for that, you know, that it might feel confronting or you might be, you know, feel, wow, have I done it wrong? You know, no, not at all. You know, we're all doing the best job we know how. And I think as we evolve as a race and a culture and more information comes to light and more understanding, we're always going to evolve. I can't wait to see the parents that my children become because they carry way less baggage than what I have. And I, you know, I can imagine their whole journey with parenting will be different from, from mine as well. So, you know, please be kind and compassionate to yourself if you're listening to this and there's stuff coming up for you around it because you know we're all we're all doing the best we can with the information that we have at the time and as you said Marion if it resonates amazing if it doesn't that is also okay you know we really trust everybody's own individual journey 
I often like to say, you know, if, if I had been born 50 years before and perhaps in a different country as well, I might in a different family, obviously, I would have probably done things very differently. So I think it can be really helpful as well to really hold in mind the culture, the time and the family in which we're born into and the huge effect that has. And, you know, to really hold that in mind. So perhaps if yeah, you are a grandparent, you might perhaps think, oh, what would, how might I be perceiving things differently? How might I have parented if I was born another 20 years later or another 20 years earlier? So I think really, again, holding that bigger cultural context in mind can really help us be really deeply compassionate with ourselves and understand often why we parent in the ways that we do. Mm, That's it. That is it. Well, we hope that's given you a beautiful little snapshot into, you know, understanding aware parenting. We hope it's kind of piqued your interest and now you can go and investigate more. You know, as we said, there's lots of amazing information out there. So thank you for listening and being here and we hope it's really given you something to, to ponder or to think about. Yes, and so much love to you. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.